Amen. Thank you, Chris. Hey, I'm Cameron. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Community Church. It's good to be with you all this morning. Many of you have been confused by virtue of it's not Easter or Christmas, and I have on a tie. Uh, And the reason I have on a tie this morning is because we have an opportunity to celebrate the Lord's faithfulness to us in and through uh, us having the opportunity to steward and and to build up Matt and Robbie. They are transitioning from associate to assistant pastor here. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what you guys are becoming, but it's awesome. Uh, no. uh, so what that means is assistant to associate uh, is that they have a vote on the session. And this is because you, as members of the church, have valued their wisdom and their input and valued their, their, just their love for the people of the church. And so we are grateful for them, and this is a wonderful day on which we get to celebrate that. And for those of you who are visiting, I hope what you walk away with is a great sense that the Lord is faithful uh, to his people. The Lord is faithful to provide. Because this is a season in which not many folks are going into pastoral ministry. If you look at the numbers of students, if you just MDiv students, whereas just 10 years ago they had 90 coming in. And everything is kind of shifting toward counseling uh, in, in a lot of ways. People, a lot more people are going into counseling than are going into pastoral ministry. So there is an interesting storm coming for the church in some ways, but, but Christ is the head and he provides. And we get to celebrate that this morning. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm clipping in and out. Uh, I hear that every once in a while. Maybe the Lord is saying, I don't want to hear that. Uh, anyway, uh, so... If you would turn in your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 3, we're going to be in 15 through 22 this morning. This sermon is still part of the sacrament series, but it will serve as the charge to Matt and Robbie and to you, the congregation, as we are receiving them as associate pastors. And so as you're turning there, let me give you the key truth that I would love for us to walk away with. Christ alone serves as the head of the church and means of salvation for all. Let me say that again. Christ alone serves as the head of the church and means of salvation for all. And you may be thinking, well, duh. Yeah, but sometimes practically that doesn't actually work out in our lives if we're not careful. And we need to recognize that Christ is the head of the church, not not me, not Matt, not Robbie. None of us are the head of the church. He is. And so it is his image bearing. It is his ethic that should uh, affect who and whose we are, how we live our lives. He also is the means of salvation alone. Too often we look for salvation in so many other places, whether it's a job or marriage or another person or a circumstance. No, he alone is the means by which we are eternally redeemed, and we need to be reminded of this. And I think this text will do that for us this morning. So if you would give your attention to the reading of God's word, this is Luke 3, 15 through 22. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also 
had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of the deification of earthly leaders. Well, what it has resulted in is the rise of a number of podcasts and the fall of the church in culture in many respects. And so we need to recognize that, that to deify any man is to ensure, ensure a significant fall. In fact, Scripture tells us this uh, before uh, pride goes before the fall. And deification is an arrogant thing for us to do uh, to anyone, to put anyone on a particular pedestal and treat them as, as in any form godlike. No human being is godlike in the sense that they have autonomy, sovereignty, or power. They are godlike only in that they bear his image and reflect his character in the world, right? And so, and so we need to make sure that on our part, we are not adding to, in any way, shape, or form, uh, the, the besmirching of Christ's And so it is important that we recognize that we are but human, that Matt and Robbie are but human, and that as we receive them and they serve the church, we need to help them to remember that they serve Christ as head shepherd. They don't get to decide things for themselves, and we don't get to decide things for them. And so it is important that we begin here recognizing that it is a destructive thing, actually, a destructive thing to future generations even. Think of the, the damage that will be done over the generations as people read church history from the last 20 years. And the litany of popular names uh, that, that you don't need from me here, or even the litany of local names that have fallen by the wayside because they have failed to bear the image of Christ in a holy fashion. Right? And so here we have, uh, straight away, we see in this particular text that John is being presented an opportunity to be, in essence, the Christ for the people. Right? He could have leveraged this for his own gain and benefit. They were wondering, when's this Jesus guy going to show up? And remember, we've been talking about biblical theology. So what's, what's occurring here in Luke is this is the first time that we're encountering Jesus as uh, an adult male. Last time you would have seen him as a child in the temple, and then there's a whole gap that we aren't told much of anything about his life. But now we're picking it up where he's going to begin his ministry. His baptism, in essence, will inaugurate his kingship. John has been preparing the way, but he is not the king. And so the people are asking, are you the Christ? And notice what John does very quickly, and I love the fact that it says he answered them all. He made sure that every single person who may have thought that he ought to be the Christ or that would put him on that pedestal in a deified way, that they understood very clearly, no, I am not him. And so for Matt and Robbie, it's going to be important that if, if anyone comes along and tries to grant them a power or authority, and that they would make it clear that it is, it is in Christ alone that the church is, is to be guided. It is in Christ alone by which salvation comes to pass. It doesn't come through them. And we would all do well to recognize that none of us are worthy to loosen even the sandal strap of Jesus, and yet he calls us friends. And yet he loves us very personally. And so for Matt and Robbie, they need to be reminded uh, in their calling that they are Christ's and Christ's alone. 
and that, that it is him to whom they must turn for, for true edification and encouragement. It is him that will stand with them in the trials of their life when they will feel so incredibly alone. John doesn't yet know what's coming for him, but there's a storm coming for John. And so he, he points to Jesus as they should do and as you also should do as the congregation. And notice how he describes him. He says, look, I, I baptize you with water. Now, the baptism that John was doing was a trans, transition baptism. It was a, a transition sign. Now, remember who he is. He's the first prophetic voice to speak after about 500 years of prophetic silence. Right? The Lord's voice, as far as going out in a revelatory way, had ceased for a time as an act in some measure of judgment upon the people. And they were in exile. And so John is the first one to come along and be that voice of the Lord. And this would have been an exciting time. And he was calling them to repentance. But what he couldn't do is save them. So much like the atoning sacrifices that the priests would do in the Old Testament, and much like the ceremonial cleansings and washings that the people would have been familiar with, he couldn't get them all the way there. All he could do is point to the one who could. And so he makes it clear that my, my baptism is just water. I'm just rinsing you off. But Jesus, who will come, he will cleanse you from the inside out. He is going to fulfill the Joel 2 prophecy that's going to occur at the day of Pentecost, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to fall on you and transform you into his image and indwell you and empower you. This, too, Matt and Robbie must remember, that they are filled with the Spirit they need the Spirit as much as anyone else does to do what they are called to do. And we need to help to remind them of the Spirit that indwells them on the days when this job can be a bone-grinding mill. And I'm saying that not cynically. That's just reality. We carry tremendous burdens. We watch people walk away. We watch people absolutely destroy their own lives by their own hands as if they had nothing else to do. We have to do funerals, many of which we don't enjoy. They're not celebratory necessarily. We have to carry uh, the, the, the burden of uh, the Word of God itself. Let's not forget that that alone is a weighty matter for us to write for you wisdom that it is biblical, not worldly. And so they need to remember that they are indwelt by that spirit and they have been purified in Christ. That quenching fire is a means of purification for those who are in Christ. And notice too what he says, this, this, this troublesome thing, it is Christ alone who will judge. He is the one who decides whether it is wheat or it is chaff, whether it's worth saving or it must be destroyed. We don't get to decide that. That actually is a burden lifted from us from Matt and Robbie, myself, and anyone who's in pastoral ministry, that it is not on us to determine someone's final outcome. Think of the gravity of that if we did have that kind of power. Think of how awful we might become if we were to come to you and say, I have the power to save or condemn. Now, what are you going to do to swing my vote your way? So that burden is lifted from us. We get to preach. And notice what John does. He says, it says he just preached the good news. Right? He went straight from that. He just kept preaching the gospel and the good news. Our opportunity is to offer you salvation in Christ alone. And that is a great gift. That is something that we should steward. And they must steward in the means of grace themselves.
And so John, he keeps preaching the good news, but then the storm blows in. Now, we know that if we are going to be in union with Christ, that suffering is an aspect of discipleship uh, that, that is part of our sanctification. It's not optional. Remember in Romans 8, uh, where, where we heard about the Holy Spirit, and it's very clear, if you suffer with Christ, that's not an option. For those of us who are in pastoral ministry, we are worthy of a measure of double suffering, a double judgment, if you will. And so it, it is important that we be prepared to suffer for Christ's sake. Because notice what Herod the Tetrarch does. He takes John and puts him in prison, right? Now, it's interesting. You could compare this to other prison stories. Notice what God doesn't do. He doesn't deliver John, right? You have other circumstances. Peter finds himself in prison. And an angel taps him on the shoulder, opens all the doors, and away he goes. Notice that, that Paul, when he uh, was in prison and he was uh, chained to the wall, he sang some hymns uh, and the doors were all opened. This doesn't happen for John. In fact, you may remember from John's story, there's a moment in his struggle where he says, am I dying for the actual Christ? Like, he wants to know, if I'm going to lose my head, I want to know I'm losing it for the king. And John sends back word to him to make sure that he knows you are dying for the king. And so, Matt and Rob, you're going to have to remember there are some days that, that they will find themselves in, in a measure of suffering. And it is the Lord's sovereignty to decide when to deliver them from it. Love to be in control of how long we will suffer. But they need to understand quickly as they would like. And yet, they, were, they are doing it for an eternal purpose. They are suffering for the king. It's the only way for it to make sense. And then it goes on, it says, Now when all the peoples were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized. This is important. Jesus is showing that he who was sinless, who is the king of the universe, that he also needed the means of grace. Right? He, he also needed to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord granted it to him. So if Christ needed the means of grace himself, how much more we who are not sinless, we who are not perfect in any, or perfected in any, any way, shape, or form. So this is critical for them to remember their own baptisms. They must improve upon their baptisms in and through their service. To the church. They're going to need to remember that they have been redeemed in the death of Christ. They have to remember that they are resurrected to newness of life and the gifts that they possess are not for them to use for their own glory, but for the glory of the King alone. And notice that this is what inaugurates, this is why we have talked about baptism as an inaugural sacrament, that it, it welcomes into the, the, the covenant community of God. This inaugurates Jesus' ministry in full, because if you can keep reading in Luke, uh, he immediately actually goes into the wilderness to suffer, and then, and then goes on from there to, to share the good news of the coming kingdom, or the kingdom of God that has come. And so he receives the Holy Spirit, and then he receives affirmation from God, his own Father. He says, you are my beloved son. Now, this is interesting, right? Has Jesus been crucified yet? Nope. Has Jesus, uh, from what we've read, other than taking the, the folks at the temple to task as a 12-year-old, what has Jesus actually done that we have recorded other than be born, 
Nothing. Now, let the weight of what God is saying to him also rest on you. You are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. That should strike us in a very unique way because God is saying that, and you may say, well, he's talking about Jesus. But Jesus as man, right? Jesus, who had not yet accomplished any of the grand things that he's going to accomplish for our salvation. And how much more do we need to also remember that truth for ourselves, right? Before, before Matt and Robbie accomplished anything, the Lord said, you are my beloved sons, and with you I am well pleased. And then he called before they started any small groups, they were loved before they, they, they collected any volunteer for youth ministry. They were loved before they counseled one wise word or did anything of any value. It is that that will keep them doing what the Lord has called them to do because any and everything else just burns up. But the love of God does not. It is not reduced. And you too... You too, as congregation, need to remember God's love for you. Because are they going to be here forever? Are we going to be here forever? No. They'll leave someday. We're all going to leave someday, some kind of way. And so would it, be, would it be that God suddenly doesn't love us because he removes one of them or moves them somewhere or calls them to a different circumstance? Don't let that moth get you, Adam. That was quite odd. Uh, <laughs> and so we need to remember that, that God, God loved us before and he will love us still. That his love is not unique because of any one of us here. But it is a blessing that we all get to be here. Right? It is a blessing to the church that we have this variety of voices and ministry. Do, do you have any idea of in the time that they have served the amount of ministry that these two men have done here? They are what I call force multipliers, right? I don't have to drive to Cartersville on Thursday night because Robbie does and serves that small group beautifully and well. I could do it. I don't have to try to lead youth group uh, because, because Matt does it so wonderfully and has gathered such a collection of volunteers that he's invested in. This church is so much richer because of them. And think of how the Lord brought both of these people to us to invest in. And the time that has been invested in both of them, the opportunities that they have had and continue to have. You, the church, we, the church, are richer for them. I mistakenly at times, and Randolph and I were talking about this in his elder training, which those of you are wondering, like, when's this dude going to become an elder? He's got two more sessions, and then it's up to him to decide. But just to give you a quick update on Randolph. But it came to my attention that I have made the mistake of saying at times that we, for a church our size and circumstance, are overstaffed. That's hogwash, and I repent. I should have never said anything like that. I was trying to actually cut something off at the past that hadn't actually become a problem. And so what, what, what I would rather say is, no, we have been richly blessed with what we have and who we have. You are better off. Uh, because of what these men are doing to serve our church and doing it so faithfully and, and so reliant upon the means of grace and the gospel. 
May that continue to be true for us. Trusted in eternal things in a way that order cannot do. And so, um, let us take uh, take and 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 give thanks to the Lord for His rich provision for us. Because we didn't go find these guys. We didn't do any recruiting. In fact, it was Matt's father-in-law that offered him up a sacrifice. And Robbie, it was, he, he just happened to be here on, on break from school uh, when uh, he and I met at Chick-fil-A and had a discussion about what he was going to do with the rest of his life. And so the Lord is the one who has provided. And so let's, let's not treat them because of that as deities or put them on any pedestal, but instead to steward them in humility, recognizing that they need to be cared for and loved and encouraged. We all do. But, but as they're transitioning into this position, uh, let's, let's care for them well and encourage them that they are beloved and that they are beloved not because of anything they've done, but because the Lord in his grace has bestowed it upon them. And so, as we bring it to a close, I, I wanted to quote Matthew 20, 25 through 28, because this is Jesus' words to his, his, as he's sending the apostles out, and it's critical for us to hear as leaders of the church and for you to encourage us in. Listen to what he says. From Matthew 20, 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your bondservant, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is important that we lead out of this. We are servants. We are shepherds to the flock in service to the great shepherd Jesus, to the glory of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the thing that I would ask us as we are bringing this sermon to a close is how is the finished work of Christ helping you to improve your baptism by continuing to mortify your sin, shame, and guilt, while also vivifying the fruit of the Spirit and God's righteous character in your life? This is a worthy question for you to meditate on this Lord's Day Sabbath, to take the time to, to prayerfully consider the places where maybe you're letting sin and shame and guilt run rampant when it has been crucified in Christ. It has been, as the psalmist says, cast as far as the east is from the west. Don't do the devil's work. Don't do the devil's work when Christ has already done the work to, to deliver you from that. I'm not saying you won't struggle with it. It's how you struggle, right? So mortification is, is, a, is, a, is a... We have to wrestle with our sin. We have to put it to death or remind it that it has been put to death in Christ, as Colossians 3 would say. And then this, this notion of vivifying, that's something that, that we have to cultivate. That doesn't just happen. It's not some sort of just Shekinah glory that pops out of your skin because you've been in the sun for a bit. As the top of my head would declare right now, that ain't Shekinah glory. It's something that has to be cultivated, that, that we must long for, that we must think through the fruit of the Spirit to bear fruits in keeping with repentance, to remember Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the character of God that is to be displayed in and through our ethics in the world. And our baptism is a means of grace to help us in that, not as just a one-time event. 
but it's an ongoing reminder. And so let's be a church that reminds not only the leadership of this truth. Too often you all forget to remind us because you think we already know. No, we are quick to forget. We are quick to forget, and we need the gospel preached back to us in word and deed. And you need the same. We need to be able to do that for each other. Let's be a church that, that, that keeps the good news of Jesus Christ ever in front of one another, that encourages one another to remember that Christ is the head of the church, and he alone is the means of salvation. There is no other way. So Luke three fifteen through 22 teaches us that Christ alone serves as the head of the church and means of salvation for all. Let's remember that. Uh, we still, in the rest of the service, you're, we're, we're going to have some questions for Matt and Robbie. We'll have some other folks get involved here in just a second. But before we do that, let me pray for us for what we just heard. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he, uh, in taking on the, the humiliating flesh of humanity, so glorified it to give us hope that, that his perfect life, his sinless life, his sacrifice, his resurrection, his ascension and continued intercession, and his coming again, Lord, would, would, would that be real to us, lived out, enfleshed in us uh, the, the, the power of those things because of our baptisms, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because of the purifying salvation of Jesus. Father, would you help us to remember that we have a beautiful king. We don't need another king. No one can do what Jesus has done. May we grant no power to anyone other than Christ as king. And may we remember that as a church. May we remember that as we, we seek to build up the leaders that we currently have and invest in future leaders. God, help us to be a church created by the work and power of the Holy Spirit that, that, that is filled with the fruits of repentance and the fruit of the Spirit and the very character that you displayed in this world. Help us live out your character in righteousness and holy lives. God, help us to be a people that glorify you and take great joy in who we are because we were first loved, and then in turn, love those in our spheres of influence for the very life and eternity of the world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.